today on City Cash Chicago. Yeah, this has been a busy ass week to say the least. Uh, we ain't gonna be able to get to it all, but to help us look back on some of it, I got one of the busiest journalists in all of Chicago, WTTW's Heather Sharon, and our fantastic CityCast producer, Simone Alisea. It's Friday, February 25th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Before we jump into looking back on the week, uh, something that I asked our guests uh, last week, um, and I'm I'm really interested to hear your answer, Heather, where's a place in the city you go for peace? So this is going to be a really nerdy answer, but um, I was one of those kids who dreamt for, you know, from when I was very, very young of covering Chicago City Hall. And I usually get off the blue line at Washington and then walk through the pedway underneath the Daily Center. And then there's an escalator that takes you up into the county side of the city county building. And I never get tired of that moment sort of, you know, riding up that escalator because, you know, in the before times it was usually crowded. So you couldn't sort of run up and feel pressured to get your day going. So you sort of had to stand there and sort of let the escalator do it for you. And as you're coming up, you can see sort of the ornate chandeliers and sort of like really, you know, again, super nerdy, the majesty of that building and sort of a sense that serious people are coming to work there to do serious things to help the city and the, the, people of the city and the the residents of Cook County and I I I relish that moment of just like honest to goodness zen and sort of like joy that like I work here like I have a key card to an office in this building and you know it's my job to keep track of these people and I really I can't tell you if I missed anything during the pandemic like I missed that moment that moment means a lot to me and I got to experience that yesterday and boy was it Boy, was it needed. I don't think there is a more Heather Sharon answer than that one. (laughs) It is very Heather Sharon. That was perfectly on brand. And the way you made City Hall sound so regal and so amazing. Simone Baloney, as somebody who is calling Chicago home for the second time, and, and, you know, rediscovering this city, where's a place that you find zen or peace? That is a really, really easy answer, and that's the Garfield Park Conservatory. Uh, mm. I so as I've it really is. So I've talked about this before. I live in Uptown, so I live not close to, to the Garfield Park Conservatory, um, and I've been to the Lincoln Park Conservatory and used to go there with some regularity. But after um, one of our conversations that we did on the show. Uh, about parks and how and how they were designed here in Chicago. I really wanted to check out the Garfield Park Conservatory, and boy, it is. I I don't think my mind has ever gone so blank. What's fun about it is you can kind of take a route that takes you into every single house. You know, you can see the cacti and the the succulents. Uh, you can then kind of come around and come back into, and then you end in the the fern room, which is my favorite room. I love the ferns, um, and it also just feels like you're breathing clean air for 90 minutes, mm. uh, like the cleanest air you'll ever feel um, in the middle of a city. So yeah, easy, easy answer. Garfield Park Conservatory, 100%. I tried, I've been, you know, 
probably three times in the past couple months. <laughs> so I think between those two answers, we've created a nice Venn diagram of people. And hopefully <laughs> most <laughs> listeners fall into one of those places. Was like, I would love to go see City Hall. I would love to go to the Garfield Park and Servitor. And if you ain't down with either of those, um, well, you know, it's, it's other shit to do in Chicago. So, you know. <laughs> Every single Friday, we do the same thing. We look back on the stories across Chicago that really captured our attention of ones that maybe fell by the wayside. And you know, I'm going to leave you with some moments of joy to send you into the weekend. Heather, let's start with you. With all the stories that were happening this week, which was the one uh, sort of at the top of your docket that really caught your attention? Um, well, I got to be a little bit self-serving here um, and gas up my um, co-workers and colleagues at WTTW, which, you know, months of work um, culminated this week with the re- release of a, a documentary about the firsthand impacts of segregation in Chicago. And um, I just could not be prouder to have played a small role in it. And it was it, it was really interesting to see people say, oh, I didn't realize that segregation is is Chicago's very own. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like everything that sort of was used to keep white people and black people separate, living, working, playing, was really invented in Chicago, perfected here, and then sent elsewhere. And I think that I was a little bit nervous before it premiered, honestly. Like, are people interested in hearing about this what with everything else is going on like is there even the capacity as we have a city to sort of grapple with these issues and i'm really glad that that um it was so well received which is a testament to all of the hard work Mm -hmm. of, of my colleagues i remember being in grad school about it might have been 2014 and i remember saying that to a professor and i was like chicago invented modern segregation and i want to explore that in my thesis and they were like are you sure is that really how it started and i was like well, let me, let me teach you something real quick. Um, this series that WTTW, Southside Weekly, have all produced uh, is not only the documentary series, but it's a series of, of articles, interactive maps uh, that map Chicago's racial segregation. Uh, you wrote How Does Chicago Become So Segregated uh, by Inventing It. You got the geography of fear, the structures that divide us, uh, which is this beautiful photo essay um, that looks at how highways uh, railways uh, and, and different structures uh, inf- reinforce segregation and, and understand it's more than just individual choice of, of where you want to live, how you want to live, who you don't want to live next to. It's something that Chicago institutionalized at every single level from laws and policies uh, all the way down to the way we built our city up um, over the last 90 years. The, I have to say that the, the that photo essay uh, uh, about the structures that divide Chicago, um, I found that especially powerful. I remember when I first moved to Chicago, and I had always heard the, the phrase, like, someone who's from the other side of the tracks. Like, I heard it in movies and stuff like that. But I always thought it was just an expression. I didn't realize until I moved here that, that, that there's a literal reason why you say why that expression came to be and how it had to do with segregation and how it had to do with the way the city was built. I remember learning that and that being so mind-blowing to me, just how um, prevalent and um, intentional uh, the design of the city was to to enforce racial segregation. And I, it like pretty much completely changed the way I look at cities and the way cities are built. And it really kind of sparked my interest in 
just in sort of like urban development in general. That's a really great point because I grew up here. So, so many of these barriers and sort of physical manifestations of segregation have always been there. Like they, you know, they have been my landscape forever. And it's really easy to fall into the trap of thinking, well, that's just the way things are. Things have always been like that way. That is just the natural order of things. And it requires a concerted mental effort to say, no, no, those are the result of specific decisions made to keep black people and white people and then later Latino people separate from each other. And that we have to grapple with how that it was then used to sort of funnel investment and funnel resources to different parts of the city, which of course reinforce those barriers. And it's really hard because, you know, well, why is the Kennedy where it is? You know, why were, you know, the, the housing, the CHA housing projects built where they were before being torn down? That the answer is segregation. Yeah. For any of our listeners who are, you know, coming to learn Chicago through our podcast, through the people we we put on. And you ever wondered, man, they they mentioned segregation in so many different stories. They'll be talking about pipes. They'll be talking about developments. They'll be talking about restaurants. They'll be talking about weed. And somehow it's always about segregation and equity. Yes, happening 230 plus episodes in. The next 230 episodes, I promise you, segregation is a topic in every single one somehow some way and you really don't even have to look that close there's that expression right every map of chicago is a map of segregation yep. in chicago mm-hmm. right like it doesn't matter what you're mapping health outcomes you're mapping where grocery stores are you're mapping uh uh how home ownership you're mapping mm-hmm. whatever it is it's it's a it's a segregation map yep um simone what was uh, a top story for you this week uh, one story that we were watching this week, uh, and Heather, I know you were you were watching as well, was um, the city council's decision to authorize spending to acquire uh, the old Aldi in West Garfield Park. Um, we talked to WBEZ's Linda Lutton and to TJ Crawford of the Garfield Park Right to Wellness Collective about the fact that the Aldi abruptly closed earlier this fall, uh, citing... Um, business reasons, citing loss of funds, but it left the community there um, with very, very few grocery options, and now they have no grocery options. Yeah, we we can't draw enough attention to this. We have talked to people who deliver groceries in Inglewood, the the Food Equity Council. We've talked to restaurants. We've emailed people who do composting, like trying to find, uh, trying to understand food equity in this city is obviously so multi-tiered, but at its basic level is, do people have access to food, healthy food? And too many communities in this city cannot point to a healthy or or respectable grocery store within walking distance to their home. My question is, or my answer to, you know, is it a right to have a grocery store? Yes. My answer to, should the city step in and, and facilitate bringing a new grocery? Yes. My question is, well, how many times are you going to do this and where are you going to do this? Because there are plenty of vacant grocery stores sitting around this city. There are plenty of vacant properties that could be mental health facilities that could provide public services, sober living homes, you know, that could provide people with with places to live and to put their head at night when they don't have one. How far are you going to use this authority? Because to say, yes, this community needs it now. That's why we're doing it. I agree. But so many communities need things now. I think that what happened in South Shore is really instructive here. So 
a while ago, all of the Demo the Dominics closed and the and they were quickly converted on the north side into Mariano's and other grocery stores. But in South Shore on Jeffrey, um, that Dominic set vacant and vacant and vacant. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want anybody to listen to our conversation and think, okay, great, problem solved. A grocery store is going to open, I don't know, tomorrow, next week, next month, maybe. This is the start of a long and complicated process. And I shopped at that new local fresh market in, uh, in South Shore. That boy is fire. It is really <laughs> nice. Uh, the fruits and veggies are great. I remember the first time I went in there, and I, I swear to you, I FaceTimed my mom. And I was like, Mom, do you realize they finally put a grocery store here? She was like, where? I'm like, I'm over in the Jeffrey Plaza. I FaceTimed her. I swear to y'all, I'm turning the camera around. Because my mom notoriously will go far out of her community to get, like, she will go all the way. What's that, like, over in Oak Lawn? where they got the jewels mm. next to the Target, next to the Pete's, like down by the Portillo's. Sure. She will drive far. And when I told her, like, Ma, you could come over here, get all, look at all these fresh fruits. They got veggies. They got a hot food bar. Like, that's that's happy. Like, we were happy, but that's sad. And, and so I hope it doesn't sit for six years. And I hope they get something as nice as that grocery store because everybody should have that. As we're talking about the city council decisions uh, we're talking about continuing to look at segregation in the city you know plenty of stories don't get as much hype don't get as much light um and i want to make sure that we take time uh, to point out some of those stories heather do you got a story this this week that you really want to make sure people are paying attention to and they understand the nitty-gritty on well, I think that um, we will hear more. Of, we're taping this uh, Friday or Thursday mid-morning and Thursday afternoon. The mayor is going to talk about her projects or her attempts to fight poverty. And we're going to get a little bit more information about how the city is going to spend $31.5 million on a universal basic income pilot program. And um, it was, so that was approved back in October. October. And there really hasn't been any progress on that since. So I know that there are a lot of people that's been bubbling in the background for a while. So I think a lot of people will be interested to hear what those sort of rules are going to be and sort of who's going to be eligible for that. But I think it's important that it, we mention that it's only going to help, help about 5,000 families and the about need- 500 bucks a month. Right, 500 bucks a month for a year. Um, but the, we know that the need is going to be far bigger than that. But um, I think that the fact that the, you know, we're sort of finally getting some information about it gets the sense that this has sort of been something that people have been really, you know, looking for, but that really hasn't sort of moved forward in, in what's been many, many months. Yeah, and it's been pitched for such a long time as the largest universal basic income trial program in the country um, and, and what can be learned from this, which I think is hopefully pretty obvious to people is that, you know, if you give vulnerable communities money, if you if you give struggling families money, they're going to use it to, to help their families. Um, and, and so I hope this sets the way for us to consider larger measures uh, similar to this. Um, and I, but and I hope the rules and, and the outlines that they give are accessible. You know, our city is notorious for, you know, drowning people in paperwork and, and hoops to jump through uh, when they're applying for basic services, when they're applying for housing. Um, and so a program that, you know, is, is about 30 million bucks. I, I hope it's something that people aren't 
you know, kind of scratching around trying to figure out the details for. Uh, and I know WTTW and City Cash Chicago will will do our best to provide people with the the, the basic rubric on that program. Simone, what was an underhyped story this week that you were paying a lot of attention to? Yeah, uh, one of I'm gonna also do something a little self-serving and talk about an episode that we produced uh, about um, a development, a proposed development in Rogers Park uh, that's supposed to go next to a Hare Krishna temple. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Ward at Block Club Chicago first wrote about this, and what's going on here is there is a proposed development. The developer wants to extend uh, an existing seven-unit structure and add 13 more units, so a total of 20 units, uh, next to this Hare Krishna temple. And the temple's congregation is opposed to this expansion because they say it could interfere with their religious practice. Um, I I had the chance to go up there and kind of see it. I It didn't really make sense to me until I saw it. But when you go into the temple, you see these sort of six windows, east-facing windows that just look out onto what is now sort of a backyard, an empty space. And the worry is, is that if the developer expands into that space, that you're going to have apartments essentially looking into the temple at the same time you might be practicing. Um, So it's a privacy issue for them. They're also concerned about any potential conflicts. I talked to one of the managing directors of the temple and he he was telling me about, you know, the the chanting that they do and the dancing. They start um, services. They do 4.30 a.m. services. They have various different services throughout the day. Um, so just anticipating any potential conflict with neighbors. And it's just a really interesting example of, you know, new development, conflicts over new development. Uh in Rogers Park, I think it's especially interesting because it's such a diverse and built-up neighborhood already. Really enjoyed talking to Joe Ward um, at Blog Club Chicago, laying it out beautifully for us, and then getting a chance to kind of see see it uh, was was really helpful. Mm-hmm. That conversation when you reported back, I remember when we were first reading the story, and I was like, Simone, would you mind popping over there real quick? Just I'm, I just need some more help visualizing what's going on. Um, I am interested to see which way it goes because at least from my impressions everybody seems to be like really like nice about the situation they just like they got concerns that could hold up uh, a potential development here and, and so I'm interested to see who uh older person hadn't uh, kind of sides with uh, especially considering the last older person um rejected the proposal to expand on this property so Quick question before we transition into my favorite part, the good news, the moments of joy. Quick question, uh, because we did get an announcement earlier this week from from the mayor, Dr. R. Woody, that come Monday, you know, them, them vaccine mandates, them mask mandates going to go away. We don't need to break down all the details, but I do got a question uh, for each of y'all. Heather, you taking that mask off on Monday when you're moving around or you going to keep yours on for a little bit longer? I'm going to keep mine on a little bit longer and I'm going to tell you why. Um Based on CDC guidelines, everybody in Chicago, Cook County, Illinois should still be wearing masks because the risk of catching COVID-19 is still substantial here by those guidelines. Now, that isn't to say that Chicago isn't in a much better place, but the fact of the matter is, is that 
COVID is still out there. Uh, Chicago's hospitals are still very, very full, even though they are not as full as they were before. And the, the simple fact of the matter is, is that, um, you know, I have a daughter who is fully vaccinated, but she's not yet eligible to be boosted. And we know that people who are fully vaccinated and then boosted are better protected against the Omicron variant of COVID-19. So that is something that I think about a lot. I also, you know, love people who have existing health problems that put them at greater risk of if they get COVID, they are more likely to suffer a severe illness. And I don't want any part of that, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. It sounds, it, it sounds like this, you feel like this is premature, that we, we should have held so, on a little longer. So, you know, I, I asked the mayor very and Dr. Arwady very directly when they made this announcement why they were moving with the state on Monday when they said that Chicago would have to be at a state of lower transmission or low transmission for 14 days before making that move. Um, Chicago will not be at 14 days at that statement uh, at that state on Monday. Now, they are sort of disputing how that's been calculated, but I am calculating it based on the way that they have calculated it from the beginning. You know, I, I think that it, you know, is a really hard position that they're all in, to be fair, because there are a lot of people screaming at them, get rid of the masks, get rid of the vaccine mandates. And a lot of those people who are screaming that are, are powerful people. You have the Illinois Restaurant Association who wants nothing to do with checking people's vaccine status. And, and I, I get that there's a lot of pressure politically and just emotionally. Like, wouldn't it be great if we could all just sort of say to ourselves, you know what, COVID's over. I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's done. Like, I'm just going to live my life. And a lot of people are going to choose to do that and are choosing to do that. And the people who will suffer are going to be the ones who are not vaccinated or who have other illnesses. And I think a lot about how, while white people in Chicago and, and Latino people in Chicago are about the same percentage vaccinated, um, black people are far less likely to be vaccinated. So it's really hard for me to sort of jump on that bandwagon that's like, you know what, we've suffered enough, COVID's over, let's just get going. It's also just a really easy thing to do. It's not hard to put on a mask and go to a place. And Heather, I so appreciate your, like the way you laid out the, the, the numbers and sort of the, the argument and the, the way that transmission is right now. But you know, to me, it's even just like, why not keep it on? What am I gaining by taking it off? I still go to the gym. I talked about rock climbing last time I was on. I'm still going, but I wear a mask the whole time. Yeah, I didn't really get a chance this week, given everything to focus on this. But during the mayor's announcement, she was asked whether she would continue to wear a mask. And she said that she would, especially in restaurants, since she would no longer know if the people around her were fully vaccinated. And like... I, I think a lot of people heard a record scratch in their mm -hmm, head mm -hmm. because if that is a concern, why is the city not keeping the mask mandate? Why is the city not keeping the vaccine requirement? And I think that that's an indication that it is so difficult to sort of parse your individual risk mm -hmm sort of tolerance and what the city should be doing in terms of like rules and enforcements and penalties. Great points all around. And I mean, with that, I think we need uh, an injection of some joy at this point. 
some good news to get the people through the weekend. Simone, what was some good news that you experienced this week? Some joy that you just want to kind of radiate to the rest of us listening. Okay, so my moment of joy is not Chicago related. Disclaimer off the bat. But it is maybe the best thing I've read all week. Okay. And that was J.P. Brammer's column in the Washington Post about Hank the Tank. Hank the Tank is a 500-pound black bear who has been terrorizing homes in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> and he's just been he's just been he's been breaking into secure homes trying to get that leftover pizza, trying to get the trash. Damn, that's a big ass bear. God. He's damn. a very big bear. You know, wildlife officials are saying he might need to be euthanized, and this has caused people to kind of come out in support of Hank. And there, I just, I, there's a there's a line at the end here that I think really sums it up, you know, where J.P. Brammer writes, you know, that Hank the Tank tells us, you can stop playing by the rules on any day and any moment. And even though most of us don't, and a lot of the time we feel helpless when we see stories like this, it helps us think that nature is sort of fighting against the machine the way we wish that we could. And I think it's very inspiring. It's a lot of fun. And I think I, I very much agree that when you see a, a big fat bear just doing whatever he wants to do and doing what a bear does, there's a, there's a freedom in that that I think we want to buy into. I also think it's relatable because this bear is essentially addicted to human food. And essentially, he's like, look, it's easier for me to eat this leftover pizza from this trash can than to go into the forest and forage for, I don't know, what bears eat. Honey, if Winnie the Pooh <laughs> is to be trusted. Um, I don't know what bears eat. But like, yes, who among us has not been like, let me just door dash some portillos rather than make myself a healthy stir fry. And, you know, I'm here for Hank the Tank, you know, protect him at all costs is what I say. Hank the Tank has broken into 28 houses. <laughs> Hank the Tank fat as hell. Jesus. Like, I didn't, expe I I didn't expect the bear to be that big. It's, it looks like an unflattering picture, too. He's, like, sitting down. so everything. He's not, like, standing up in all his glory. Who cares? He doesn't care. He's a bear. What I do you know. mean unflattering? He's a bear. <laughs> I, do not shame, uh, body shame Hank the Tank. I, We're I, not going to stand I, for that. I, was, I wasn't trying to body shame my boy. It just, you know, a lot of the bear <laughs> pictures they, they post is they, you know, they, they they be having the bear like standing up catching something. They got my boy just like frothed over, just like like he ain't doing nothing. I'm like Hank breaking into 28 houses. Like let me see let me see Hank in action. Uh, Heather, what was your moment of joy this week? So we didn't coordinate this, but my moment of joy was also animal related. But um, there's evidence that otters have returned to the Chicago River, which is amazing because the Chicago River was so polluted for so long. And, you know, experts of which I am not one say that this is a real indication that the river's ecosystem is beginning to sort of thrive and sort of it's a hopeful sign for me that however bad things might seem that like you know with concerted effort and of course tens of millions of dollars from the federal government you know you can make a difference it also looks like they're looking for people to help in locating the the otters along the river and so there might be a volunteer opportunity for people to kind of participate wait in this. So we can go out on like, can we like go out and kayak and go look for otters? Is that a thing that we can go do? That is 
exactly what they want you to do because they want to be able to protect these otters. I'm so excited about this. I, I love otters. Uh, the Urban o- Otter obviously. Research Project. Uh, wow. Heather, you really came to play with the good news today. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've almost, it's been almost 100 years about, like, this is making me so happy. I just want to go out and take pictures. I ain't even going to front on it. Uh, yeah, I feel like normally with our good news, like, right, for example, with mine and Hank the Tank, like, part of the story is they might euthanize this poor bear. So there's always, there's always like, a, like, a dark like, yeah, sometimes, angle to sometimes it. Sometimes there is, like, an underbelly to our stories. But this is, like, not only are otters cute, but also it's, like, good environmental news, potentially, mm-hmm. which almost never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to, for my good news, I'm going to transition us back to the human world. I was talking about it last week, and I know Chicago Theater Week is ongoing, uh, but I was talking about wanting to go see Women of Soul. Well, I actually went to see it. Um, I, I took my girlfriend, and this show was absolutely amazing. I'm going back. My sister's coming to town. I'm taking my sister and my mom and my sister's friends. This play was fantastic. Fantastic. It's like a narrated history, sometimes chronological, sometimes not, through some of the greatest uh, soul singers of all time. People like, oh, oh my God, Tina Turner, Donna Summers, Mahalia Jackson, Shaka Khan. And so I just want to give a shout out to every single person who performed. But I also want to give a special shout out to Rhonda Preston. She's been in Chicago theater for nearly 30 years, and she played a narrator. Uh, at one point, she was Anita Baker. She was absolutely phenomenal, hilarious. Her facial expressions when she wasn't even involved in the dialogue, the performance from everybody was was wonderful. If you can go see Women of Soul, it closes March 6th at the Mercury Theater. It, it was a great show. We got Otters, we got uh, Hank the Tank, and we got Black History in the celebration of some of the greatest uh, uh, soul singers. I think that's a, a healthy dose of some good news for the people uh, going into the weekend. The final uh, week of Black History Month. A huge thank you again to WTTW's Heather Sharon and to my wonderful producer, uh, Simone Alisea. Thank y'all for joining me to, to shoot the shit this week. I had so much fun. Yeah, thanks to Kirby. Before I let you go, CityCast Chicago is a team effort. Uh, it's not just me behind the mic doing what I do, uh, but also our amazing lead producer, Carrie Shepard. Producer Simone Alisea, who you got to hear from today. Our roving producer joining us from Denver, Lizzie Goldsmith. And our newsletter writer, Sydney Madden. We also got some fantastic people behind the ones and twos that you hear on CityCast. That's my main man, Sam Trump. And the fantastic Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if they give you the opportunity to rate and review, go ahead and do it. Leave us five stars and, and you know, maybe tell us one of your, your favorite things about the podcast in the comments. If wherever you're listening, they don't offer rate and review, then I'm going to need you to go extra hard and sharing that with your friends, your family, your social media network. CityCast Chicago is trying to grow in 2022 and beyond, and I'm going to need your help to do it. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. Simone knows she has to listen to not only all of my ramblings like I'm doing right now, but all of my like hiccups. And when I cough and when I like, oh, I got to take this off. She has to listen to it all. So I I feel bad for her most of all. (laughs) I'm intimately familiar with the sounds that your mouth makes, Jacoby. (laughs) 